podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're always searching for your next great adventure or seeking answers to complex questions, if you think of yourself as someone who takes charge, is there for others, breaks down barriers, or sees the world for what it can be, then you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets with these traits and others to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit CIA.gov careers. See yourself here. Welcome back to A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am once again delighted to be joined by John Paul Mason for a Thursday Axon Bulletin. JP, how are you? When you read my name out like that, it never, it never uh, fails to bring up the memory of Billy McNeil laughing at my name. So there you go. Uh, was that in uh, Caesar's Boozer, was it? It was in McNeil's bar. I uh, ah. slagged, slagged off by... Well, arguably the greatest ever Celtic uh, captain and player. So uh, yeah, I, I got I got dealt with on that occasion. But you'll take it. Eh? You'll take that from the big man. Yeah, you'll take it. I uh, I just before we go any further, there is some uh, building work going on in the flat down below me. So if suddenly there is drilling and and banging and uh, in the in the background, I have to apologise. I'll try and mute it if it's if it's too bad. Uh, but I know what people can get like in the comments if everything isn't perfect. So, um, well, JP, they should know better on a Thursday that you are otherwise engaged on the Axon Bulletin. And uh, welcome everybody onto the comments section. Get your comments in. We will be talking about all things Celtic. We're going to be looking ahead to the action returning, resuming after the international break. JP, um, it's left us maybe with a, a wee bit of a headache. I'm sure that uh, Ange Postecoglou will fill us all in on the injury worries that uh, some of us have after the international games. We'll be talking about, you've already mentioned Billy McNeil um, and I was looking earlier today uh, back in 87 on this day we played Borussia Dortmund away uh, they beat us 2-0 I'm going to have a wee look at that game because um, I have tended to have a look at the archives over the last wee while I find it absolutely fascinating to look on a, a random day JP from let's say 87 or 89 or 63 or whatever what was happening in the world of Celtic if we had the Axon Bulletin back then what would we be talking about so that's what I've been doing this week as well but we will start off because you and I tend to have a wee chat about music from time to time JP if we're allowed 
I mean, <laughs> that's been known. As 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 we do this, we've got free reign to talk about whatever we want. But it's not until you maybe look over the comments afterwards and you realise that uh, it doesn't go down well with some people. So, aye, uh, it does go down well with some other people. But yeah, it does. No, you're right. I mean, yesterday, uh, Kev Graham and John Hughes were on, and John uh, spoke at length about uh, a doping issue within football, um, which I found fascinating as well. Uh, but if you watch the live comments, it was, let's talk about the game on Saturday. What's happening on Saturday? Who are we going to play? What's your predicted lineup? So you can't please everybody. But what I did find is after the live show, a lot of the comments were talking about how well researched. Uh, John's piece was and uh, how it got them thinking about the, the doping in, in football and in Scottish football um, so yeah we do cover all angles, we'll be focusing uh, a hell of a lot more on the football today JP but before we do that, Coolio has passed away and um, often when that happens we say our thoughts and prayers are with the family and friends of Coolio but we do know a close pile of Coolio's in Tommy Sheridan so our thoughts are definitely with those who knew Coolio um, you know prior to about five years ago Coolio and Celtic I mean it, it would have been a tenuous link at best um, with the title of his song Gangster's Paradise but indeed Tommy Sheridan took him to Celtic Park five years ago JP and the rest, as they say, is history. Well, it's one of the most random uh, link-ups I can ever think of because I didn't. I watched the clip this morning. And I didn't actually. I forgot that it was Tommy Sheridan that was responsible for uh, bringing him to the to the ground. But that the line from Jerry McCulloch as he's ending the interview when he says, "I don't know what to say, Mark Wilson," uh, <laughs> straight out of Compton into the Calton Coolio and. Uh, I mean, that, just the most bizarre, surreal uh, rhetoric to come from, from Jerry McCulloch and the fact that he was at Celtic Park. I was I was there that day. I can't remember who we were playing. It was definitely a Saturday Hibs. afternoon. It was Hibs. Hibs. Yeah. Saturday afternoon. And, you know, I, I, I obviously grew up with Coolio as being part of, part of my kind of pop culture. Um, and the, the Dangerous Minds, the film, and uh, it was Dangerous Minds, wasn't it? Let me just double check my notes. I think it yeah, was with Michelle that. Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer, right, yeah, yeah, Dangerous Minds. It was, yeah. Yep. And obviously that song was was massive. As was it had a couple other hits as well. See you when you get there, and mm-hmm. um, I just I, I was always into a bit of hip hop and rap when I was younger. I was into like Snoop Dogg and Dr Dre and all that. So Coolio was kind of like this sort of more mainstream mm-hmm. uh, artist of of that genre. So, but I still I still was into him. So as I was sad to hear that. I mean, fifty nine. I know it's not it's not an age to be to be going, but um, yeah. No, you're right. I, I like yourself. The hip hop, the uh, rap of the early nineties. It was definitely the American scene uh, at the forefront. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> I don't know how it uh, with people from Fife or Australian, but it did. <laughs> I, I remember. I remember being introduced to it. We were in a generation back then, though, JP. You've got to remember MTV. MTV was massive, a massive influence on on guys like you and I who were into music. So you could have watched something and been into Nirvana or Oasis, but by the same token, your MTV raps came on, and you're listening to people like uh, Snoop Dogg, Nate Dogg, Warren G, um, Tupac, Notorious B.I.G., Dr. Dre, and as you say, this massive hit, which actually got Coolio a Grammy, a Grammy award that that particular oh, yeah. song. Um, fast forward 
I think that was 95. Yeah, it was, because we were in Holland playing football um, and uh, for in a tournament when Celtic were playing PSG away. And that was the night when Robert had played uh, over the Tannoy. Mm. Um, and it was 1995, but I remember being over, I think it was in a record shop in Amsterdam, trying to find the CD single of Gangster's Paradise by Coolio at that point. So, yeah, I remember it well. Fast forward to 2009, he finds himself in the celebrity Big Brother house, which again is a thing of the past, JP, uh, retrospective here. It was brilliant television. That that, that was the, the, pin- the pinnacle of, of Big Brother, apart from the first two series, when it was still kind of, experimental and nobody really knew mm. like it became a thing where everybody just sort of went into it to become famous whereas the first couple of series of Big Brother it was just kind of it was like normal people you know it, it was meant to be a social experiment wasn't it I, how, how I, these strangers react to being cooped up in a house together yeah, like, you know it was, um, it was great Nasty Nick and Craig the Liverpudlian guy that won it and aye, then in the, the series when they had to take it off air because they all started fighting do you remember mm-hmm. that one? With I do. Uh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> random. But back to the the music thing. Like, do you remember there was a there was a, a film that kind of flopped, but the soundtrack was absolutely amazing. It was called Judgment Night. Do you remember mm. that? The, the film. The film, was, the, film, I think the film had Emilio Estevez, Ice Cube, um, maybe Judd Nelson. Uh, Judd Nelson, and uh, the sound. But the soundtrack paired up like. Indie or rock bands with hip hop artists, right? So you had like um, Cypress Hill and Teenage Fan Club and uh, Onyx and Biohazard Therapy. You know, we're on it as well. It was it, I just got obsessed with that soundtrack. I used to listen to it all the time because it was a, it was a crossover of like mm. the two worlds of hip hop and and indie and rock. And it was it was brilliant. I, I, I'm, I'm probably I'm, take it out. I'm probably forgetting even more, better things that were on it than what I've just mentioned but I think I it was uh, the soundtrack is fondly remembered by those that can remember that that particular time <laughs> maybe there's not a lot of folk watching this that will remember that but um, there you go you can dig that out I want. definitely will but you're talking about a crossover and Teenage Fan Club did a single with Della Soul didn't they you remember that that's it that's is that the one? Was that on the soundtrack? Called, called Fallen. Yeah, that's on the right. Yeah. There you go. So I did have uh, some knowledge that 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 uh, soundtrack existed. But yes, thoughts and prayers with Coolio and uh, everybody that that knew him. Can you remember who won the Big Brother house that year when Tommy Sheridan was in there with Terry Christian, Latoya Jackson, Coolio? You remember who won that? I mean, no. I mean, I've got a few, and I've watched pretty much all of it. It was one of back then when you got I don't know I don't seem to get invested with TV shows as much anymore I just really have the time to inv- I mean I'm, I get slagged for not having seen The Sopranos or mm. Seinfeld I've only seen about three series of Curb Your Enthusiasm and everyone's always like oh my god you've got so much good stuff to watch and I'm like well I'll get around to it eventually but back then I used to watch all of Big Brothers you know the whole the whole thing so I, I, I genuinely can't remember well who, who if you were it? a if you were a Shooting Stars fan um, it was Ulrika Johnson 
Yeah. year 2009 where is she now who knows we'll be asking that about some of the players that are going to be getting mentioned but we will be talking about this weekend's game Celtic are back Saturday 3 o'clock uh, we will be on and I will be on the show with this man right here Ewan Boy Martin who's coming into the studio for I think his third appearance on a Celtic state of mind so I'm looking forward to that um, and anyone else who is in the area that fancies popping in to say hello, then feel free to do so. Um, I've ran with this tag line for a couple of reasons, JP, uh, which will become clear as we run through the various topics of conversation today. We're coming off the back of a a 2-0 defeat against St Mirren. So with that in mind, you think there may be changes. There was plenty of changes for that particular game. We've got the international break that we're going to be talking about. Some of the concerns for players coming back with injuries. And it leaves the door open, perhaps, for another Celtic Park debut. This time for Oliver Abelgaard. I think that's how you pronounce it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Would you throw him in at the deep end, as it were, when we basically need to get back on track after the first defeat in a year? No chance. No, I, I, I don't think this is a game where we can take any risks. And just on that, what was the last game Celtic played before the Shakhtar, the next game? What, would there have been a league game at, at the weekend, wasn't it? Because we played Shakhtar, then we played St Mirren. Mm. Uh, I need to check that because that, whatever the game was before Shakhtar, if it was a home game, was the last game I was at. Cause it feels like, so I've had like a even longer hiatus of not being at a Celtic game so everyone's kind of moaning about the international break and how long it's been and everything else but I was away for the Shakhtar game and the St Mirren game so didn't get Well what happened was that was the game Celtic versus Livingston that was it was uh, postponed yeah yeah. so before that it was Real Madrid so the last game I was at was Real Madrid the last time I watched Celtic was Real Madrid so my international break has been extended by Oh, a couple of weeks, really. Um, but yeah, just going back to the the team for Saturday, there's. I don't think there's any way you could possibly play. You know, I, I know, I know. McGregor has played all three Scotland games. Did he get? Mm. Did he play like the ninety minutes in the Scotland games? Well, I was, I was going to ask you that to be honest with you, because um, I was otherwise engaged in the final, the final match. So I was kind of just keeping an eye on it on social media rather than yeah, watching the work. game. I was at work, so mm. it was on in the bar in St. Luke's, but you can't just <laughs> go and watch a football match while you're working. I, I, I don't know if anybody ex- thinks that you can do that when you're working a gig, but you, you can't. Um, so I, I saw, you know, snapshots of it. I saw the tackle from Porteous at the end, which has made a lot of people eat humble pie about him. You know, the amount of tweets about him uh, in the lead up to that game when it was announced he was playing and People were just saying, "Oh, this is a disaster waiting to happen," and everything else. You know, not not giving him any any credit at all. So I was, you know, I obviously don't know the guy, no skin in his particular game, but I was pleased that he, you know, did well and shut a lot of people up. Mm. Uh, but yeah, regards to the regards to Team Saturday, I think it has to be the strongest team, uh, and I know that that's intense for the likes of Callum McGregor. Um, Having well hot on the heels of Saturday, we've got Leipzig away on uh, on Wednesday, right? Yeah, Wednesday. Um, so I just I, as much as I mean, the guy's not kicked a ball for Celtic yet to start no. him in a game on Saturday. I think mm. is 
whether it's about the pressure or whatever, I just don't know if it's the right the right move. I think the midfield on Saturday, centre midfield, surely has to be McGregor, O'Reilly, Hatati. That's key. And I think once we get round to it, I think that's the, the main reason why we lost the game against St Mirren because the engine room, uh, for me, it just wasn't fluid. You know what I mean, JP? It just didn't mm. get going. And then I think that when we made the changes, I suggested actually um, that we should, should have made the changes at half time. And, and it wasn't even tongue in cheek. I just felt, you know, there's no rhyme or reason sometimes if, if something's not working, so change it. And I know that managers are very reluctant to change um, what is their starting lineup that they've decided to play for the game within the first mm. half of a match because they're admitting at that stage, I've got this wrong. But I think that you can definitely make those changes at half time. And there's nothing wrong with making big changes at half time. Um, you know, I know that there might be in the back of the manager's mind, what if we get an injury late on in the game? I'm not suggesting for a minute we make all the subs in one go, but enough to make that change and I think the midfield was the glaringly obvious area of the park that had to change at half time uh, Ewan Boy this is what it's all about he disagrees he thinks that uh, the game on Saturday is a perfect time to play the new boy and see what he's got or um, what he's not or what he's not got <laughs> or, or potentially yeah potentially what he's not got I think um, there's a keenness when you sign a player uh, there's a keenness to to see them in action, of course there is. Uh, but here's a guy that uh, obviously hasn't played so far, and uh, he's he's been sitting on the bench a couple of times so far for Celtic. Um, let me just double check. Yeah, he was on the bench against Saint Mirren and also against Shakhtar, but he's not made an appearance yet. Um, so it will be interesting to see him. But perhaps um, I'm veering towards play your strongest midfield. Make sure there's not a a repeat of what happened against Saint Mirren, and then if you can introduce him into the uh, game when the time's right then let's do that he can play of course defensive midfield uh, central midfield left midfield so he's quite um, a versatile addition to the squad as are most of the players that Ange Postacoglu brings into the squad I'm keen to bring in uh, comments into the conversation Paddy Lavery Virgin Media is down today in the doing so I have to use my data I feel like my right arm is cut off by the way I do recall one time in Dalkeith um the Wi-Fi went and it wasn't just in our building, it was the whole place, right? And it did feel a rather strange, JP, right? And then I'm starting to think to myself, this is a good thing, right? Because maybe we, we need to get back to the, the kind of basics here and, and like, you know, have the art of communication has to uh, resurface. So obviously I, I gave it an hour, then I realised that we've got a Axon Bulletin to go out at 12.30. So I ended up jumping in my car. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Driving, right, in my mind, 
10 minutes to the next place where I can get a signal, set it up on my laptop, use my phone as a hotspot, all this kind of stuff. And I'm no joking. It was as though, um, you know, the world was going to end. Everybody was trying to leave Dalkeith at the same time because <laughs> the Wi-Fi signal was down. I'm not even kidding you, right? It was bizarre, but a stark reminder of how much we have come to rely on these devices that you carry about with you day in, day out. But thankfully, Paddy found a way to get involved. The chat wouldn't be the same without you, Paddy. So thank you very much for that. Um, Gary McLeod is throwing something into the chat here. Always enjoy the Thursday music chat. Well, you're always guaranteed a bit of that, Gary. Uh, but favourite film? I would say Jaws, Godfather 2 or Dead Man's Shoes. Well, I love Dead Man. In fact, I love all those films, but Dead Man's Shoes, love it. Superb. That, that's remarkable that he would choose those three films because, I mean, Godfather. Are they, are they your top three? Are they your top three? Not top three, but I mean, top ten, eh, top twenty, I would say. Then Jaws is number one by a country mile. Dead Man's Shoes is is in is in the equation for for top ten. Godfather two, don't know if it gets in my top ten, but it definitely would be in my top twenty. But three amazing films, but but Jaws. By far and away, is uh, is my favourite film of all time. I've not like, seen it for I'm years. Completely obsessed with it. Seen it in so many different kind of scenarios. Went to see it at the Royal Albert Hall with the London Philharmonic Orchestra playing the soundtrack live. That's, um, that's next level. Two weeks ago, it was on. It was it was a special release. It was released in IMAX, uh, and it was also released in real D, three D. And I went on the Friday night. I went to see it in IMAX in Edinburgh. And then the Sunday went to see it in real D, 3D in, in Glasgow at the Sinina Centre. Geek, you might say, but um, I just it was one of those ones where you don't, you, it's, it's not going to be released at a cinema like that again. You don't get to see Jaws in IMAX every weekend. And I don't think there's any such thing as a geek anymore, JP. I remember back at high school, the geek was that geek, right? But now it's been embraced. I think the internet has allowed us all to show our inner geek uh, without a, a shadow we'll wait, of a doubt. We'll wait, the, we'll wait for the comments on that. Right. One. <laughs> no problem. Um, but I was going to say, actually, if you're into your film, I've, you know, a recommendation for me on YouTube would be uh, GQ, GQ are doing a series on iconic characters, JP. So they'll bring in an actor and then they'll run through the iconic characters throughout that actor's career and they'll give you a wee bit of insight into how they uh, prepared for the parts and everything. It's brilliant, right? It's got all the big names in there, Pacino, De Niro, they're all in there, right? It's superb, you've got to watch it. Uh, because I do spend a bit of time on YouTube um, looking for inspiration, for ideas, JP, both for our channel on YouTube but also for the live um, anybody who's got tickets to come and see us in Gracie's will be, um, I, I think, maybe surprised at the, the live event that we've got in store because it isn't going to just be people sitting on a stage talking. Uh, there's going to be some elements to the night that are a wee bit different, uh, a wee bit more interactive, and it's going to be very enjoyable. Um, but you've got to do that. You've got to find inspiration from other YouTube channels. And um, obviously Celtic recently um, did their Tart and Taste Bud Challenge with the Japanese imports, and they also got a band in called Gun to do an unplugged session. So you're welcome, Celtic. We know that, uh, obviously, you're big Axon fans, so you're welcome for that. No problem at all there. Uh, Kevin Graham in... Uh, he is Kevin Graham, poet, R.I.P. Gangster Paradise. Yeah, I love that song, and it's a shame someone uh, leaving us so young and our thoughts are with Thomas Sheridan and everybody else who were close um, to Coolio, Jerry McCann. I met Coolio and Tommy at Parkhead. Love the guy, rest in peace, absolutely. That was a game, I'm sure, when Brennan Rogers was a manager at Celtic, Neil Lennon was a manager at Hibs. Um, you mentioned Ryan Porteous earlier on. 
Um, oh, wait, was that a draw that day? Was it two each? Yeah. Aye, that was a draw. That was the day I put on my 20-year high school reunion. That Just night? Day. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I booked a venue in, uh, in Turficken and put on a 20-year high school reunion. Managed to get about 60 people out of my year to come. That's impressive. Well, I mean, uh, 60 people. Some, uh, you know, a girl even flew from Spain for it. And that it is was, impressive. It was, it was an that that is, that is like ball and goalie uh, level of dedication to the cause. Uh, flying in for Spain, JP, for the the reunion. I mean, obviously she's from Bathgate, but she lives in Spain now. And she, I remember being completely blown away by the fact that she'd she'd come and people came from England as well. And got a really nice message from a guy that I never even really spoke to at school the next day. And he just messaged me on Facebook, and he was like, "Just want to thank you for doing that last night, JP. It was it was." You know, best night out I've had in ages, and I was like, "Well, that's really cool to uh, get." You know, I thank I thank you like that. You know, it was unexpected, and uh, it was just a really good night. I had I had video camera footage from the last day of school that I, that I took my mum's video camera into school and and filmed like brilliant about half an hour of footage in the last day of school, and um, a lot of people either didn't remember that I did it, or if they did. They certainly would never expected me to have the footage and have a screen on the night and a laptop to show it. And I, I showed the footage on the night of the, the, the reunion and it was, I'd got hairs in the back of my neck think, thinking about it because people were like, there was all the like, girls like seeing themselves at, at 17 and like screaming and all that. It was brilliant. That That is brilliant. I mean, listen, the, the flip side to that is um, my mother found my, 1996 six-year school photograph, which is a big, massive thing, right? Um, a friend of yours, Big Brother's in it as well. And I couldn't even name everybody in it. There you go. Couldn't even name them. That That's bad, eh? Again, I don't know if it's my mad memory or whatever, but I could probably name everybody in my six-year school photograph. It's, it's an affliction, it's a curse, and a, a blessing and a curse to have a crazy memory like that, but yeah. That is, and I love the fact that that you capture things, photographs and, and video. That's brilliant. Yeah, so, so important. So important. I want to talk about Big Ange. Um, here's a nice wee quote here that stood out for me. Uh, over the, the period, obviously, Ange Postacoglu goes over to Australia, um, partly to, to promote the Sydney Cup and obviously done a lot of uh, media whilst he was over there, JP. Loads of really good interviews. Um, but this is a quote that stood out. He's talking about us the Celtic fan base, and he says they're not supporters. He's trying to explain to the Australian media over there um, the difference between what football means to fans over in Australia versus what it means to um, Celtic supporters. And he says they're not supporters. The football club is an extension to them, their family. We lost our first game in a year, and I can tell you they're not too happy about it. There are a couple of things about that. I love the fact that you know it's become a bit of a cliché Ange gets it. We've heard that a million times, but he actually, you know, he genuinely does get it, JP, right? And he doesn't get it in the same kind of way as people coming into the club, kissing the badge, all that kind of nonsense, right? He actually gets it. But at the same time, you know, at the end of that, he's mentioning the defeat. And what comes across to me as being abundantly clear with Ange is that what you and I are feeling, this frustration during the international break that Celtic have um, kind of signed off with a defeat, first defeat in a year, that's going to frustrate and annoy 
Ange Postacoglu's as much, if not more, than it's going to annoy everybody in the comments section, everybody that's tuned into Axon since that defeat. And you get the sense, or I certainly get the sense, and I want to know if you, you're the same, that he's the type of guy that would just not allow the complacency to creep in. And I think his, his interviews over there have kind of proven that, if it, if it was need to be proved. Well, I don't think he was happy at all about it. I mean, he wasn't happy at the defeat to Real Madrid. So if, if you're mm. if you're unhappy getting beat off Real Madrid to the European champions, then stands to reason you're not going to be happy about getting beat off St Mirren. No disrespect to St Mirren, but they've got no right to be beating a Celtic team that's gone a year unbeaten. It's it's, it's complete outlier anomaly. Yeah. And uh, as I said before, whenever we lose one of these uh you know, unbeaten records. It always seems to be spectacular. It's never a close-run thing, you know, like the Tynecastle 4-0 after 69 games unbeaten under Brendan Rodgers, and we get beat. We get absolutely hammered 4-0 at Tynecastle. It wasn't even as if it was a, 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 a you know, a, a gallant sort of last-minute winner or, mm. or, you know, a, a battle of a game. We, we, we got hammered. Um, so, you know, this, this St Mirren game... And the fact that it's such a long time since it, it feels like ages ago that that, that happened. It's not that long ago; it was only two weeks, but it feels like ages ago. And not having a, not having an immediate um, platform to bounce back, you know, he's away in Australia, and although he's you know the other side of the world, he's still probably thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> the other side of the world for the first time in three years, and he and he's bringing that up. And I don't think he was bringing it up for. For show or anything like that, you know, to to sort of make it look like he was bothered. I think he genuinely, like you said, I think he genuinely was bothered, and and you want that to be the case with with your manager. You, he he defends against the club. He, he said in one of his first interviews that he would do everything to defend the club and to protect the club. Mm. And the fact that we we lost a game like that will have played on his mind, I'm sure. And yeah. he'll he'll be laser focused and making sure that we, you know, get the three points on Saturday to to not right the wrong because we can't right the wrong, but we can. The only thing you can do in your next game is 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 bounce back and yeah. Yeah. Well, the comments that he made, right? And I'm gonna I'm going to relate this JP to um, yourself included. Those who have an English team, right? And I've, there's been periods in my life where I've liked Man United. I liked Man United when Brian McClare signed for them because McClare was, was a bit of a hero at Celtic Park. He signs for Man U. And at the time, I'm buying match, shoot, Royal Rovers every week. And there's a lot of English football in it, so you start focusing on Man United. And obviously, he teamed up um, with Mark Hughes, who signed from Barcelona, another favourite of mine. Um, but <laughs> at no point, if Man United got beat, would it affect my emotions? It wouldn't affect my mood, you know? It wouldn't bother me, if you like. So you could have a um, an affinity to a club, and I also like Liverpool because of uh, various, various reasons. Um, I'm a fan of Liverpool, but no, I, I could never call myself a fan or supporter, if you like, because if they get beat, it wouldn't bother me. Whereas what, he, what Ange was talking about there is... Um, the football club is an extension to them, their family. And it's true. It's If if Celtic get beat from St Mirren, 
in a coupon buster, as as you would call it, it does affect you for that entire the, the entire time it takes for Celtic to get another three points on the board for us to go out against Motherwell and hopefully win that game. And I think that that is why I've always um, kind of like tussled with this idea of having a another team that you support because I, I I just don't I couldn't claim to support another team because no other team would would affect me the same way. And by the way, I'm a bit this I'm a bit like that when it comes to international football as well. Hmm. You're not affected by it. You don't feel. I'd rather Scotland won, mm. but you know, if they didn't, I'm not waking up the next day gutted. But I am when Celtic lose. You know, I, I, I was gutted. You know, really gutted when we didn't win the, the the playoff for the World Cup, just because it's been so long. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't. I, I remember speaking to uh, a guy that I worked with at Tesco and asked him. He was a Rangers fan and asked him about. About the oh no, it was, this is when we beat Serbia and qualified. And I was like, oh, do you see the football? Was that the game of Christie with it in tears and that? Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. This is a Scottish guy, by the way. And I asked him about it, and he said, and he went, nah, didn't he watch it? And I was like, you didn't watch one of the most crucial international fixtures that it's been for the last twenty years to qualify us for the tournament. He's like, nah, didn't he watch international football? He's like. Ah, Amateurs more my thing. Like I, I like watching the amateurs on on a, on a sat on a, like a Saturday or a Sunday. And I just thought that's such a strange bit. You know, I mean, I know, I know. Obviously, you're not going to watch every single international game, but one of that magnitude. Mm. To, you know, when you you've got guys on pit on the pitch in tears, who are representing the country in the sport that you are a fan of. Yeah, but you don't, but you don't watch it. I, I, I find that bizarre. But the Manchester United thing with me, I was born in Manchester. I'll say it, I'll say it out loud, I'll say it. I can't get away from the fact that my mum and dad lived in Manchester when I was a wee guy and that's why I was born there. And so I've always had an affinity towards Manchester as a city and its culture and obviously, and Man United as well. People would say, oh, why not city? And, well, I'll be honest, I supported Manchester United because of Brian McClare. Eh, sorry, eh, because of Mark Hughes. That goal in the European Cup Winners' Cup final, that that is an iconic goal seared into my memory. So that's how I started properly, you know, really liking Man United. But I've only been at about maybe 15 Man United games in my life, mm. 10, 15 Man United games. So I've never been ingrained and entrenched in, in Manchester United, you know, going week in, week out, going to see Man United away at you know, Norwich on a Tuesday night or something like that. I've never had that experience. But when you've been to so many Celtic games and you've been through, been in the trenches, well, it feels like you've been in the trenches with Celtic, you've experienced the highs and lows of being a Celtic fan. There's nothing, nothing is, is comparable to that. You know, you could say you've got as many, you know, I, I like St. Pauli or I like Barcelona, mm. but you, you lo- I love Celtic. That's a, That's a difference. By the way, yeah. talking about Man U there, um, I think it was 89. I was at Old Trafford for a Man, Man United game, but it might have been about 91. There's a great bit of footage, right? Look it up on YouTube. I think Man U are playing Leeds United and Brian McClare runs over uh, to the touchline and there's a wee bit, I think they're just arguing over a throw-in or something with a Leeds United player. And the two guys sitting in the front row of that, that particular stand are John Squire and Manny. They're just sitting at the game, JP, and there's Brian McClare, who obviously later on became really good pals with Manny, right? But 
it was just like an incidental moment of a football game from the early 90s, John Squire and Manny. Um, I'm thinking to myself, they should have been in recording that second album rather <laughs> than watching the football. Um, so Ange Borzogoglu, we do not expect any complacency to creep in. He will be hurting just like us. John Francis, there's your radio head link right there on that avatar. JP, good afternoon. Was that the one they did where you could pay anything for the album? It was, wasn't it? I think, yeah, it was. Uh, it started to be 2008, I think it was. So, yeah. I was actually, yesterday was 22 years since I saw Radiohead for the first time at Glasgow Green, just before Kid A came out. And it was the same night Celtic tie-in. It's the same night Celtic played HJK Helsinki. And we, we went through, uh, we qualified for the next round of the UEFA Cup, I think it was, because it was Martin O'Neill's first season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, saw Radiohead in a big tent, a big top tent. It was like a circus tent. that They, they toured it around the UK. And uh, it was absolutely incredible. Pro- I mean, I- Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I said yesterday to to somebody I was talking to about it, I was like, I really hope that I see a better Radiohead gig than that, you know, in, in my lifetime, but I probably won't because the first time was the best and the set list, they were still, they, they played like, I think six songs from OK Computer, so they won't play a set now where there's many... We've got too many. They've got too much material, so they won't play a set now with as many OK Computer songs. So they finished with exit music from a film or for a film. Uh, I mean, and actually, yesterday found the full set on YouTube for the day after because they did two nights. Right. So there's like there was Friday the 29th of September, 2000, and someone's uploaded the full mixing board. Uh, from from the desk, like this, the the record, recording of the full gig. So I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to indulge myself for that one night. It's so important to capture things. Uh, it brings to mind Celtic Link, uh, my first ever gig. You two at Celtic Park, 1993, and I was speaking years of name drop. I know that some someone will comment about this. Um, I was speaking to Bobby Bluebell um, from the Blue Pills, mm-hmm. and he was at that gig, and I think he was kind of like backstage milling about mm-hmm. but the backstage was also kind of like under the stage now there's a point to this so I'm at the barrier JP I was at the gig with my mate Charlie Hutton from High Valleyfield and we were at the barrier we got there dead early ran down the front just kids right but right up at the barrier and there was a curtain along the front of the, the stage and there was a tiny wee gap right in front of us right in front of the, us in the, in the front so we could actually see what was happening underneath the stage right and uh, Bobby Bluebell was telling me that he saw somebody playing bass and Clayton was on the stage just miming. Now, I never saw that, right? But what yeah. I did see, Bono had this fixation with belly dancers and he had a belly dancer underneath the stage who, for about 20 or 30 minutes before she actually was raised up onto the stage, was practising 
underneath. She was practicing all her dance moves. And she she felt it felt as though she was about eight feet away from Charlie and I. And we were obviously just watching that rather than watching you two on the stage. There's my memory of my first gig ever at Celtic Park. And I often wonder, are there pictures of the likes of Bono and all that in Celtic Park kind of milling about in the changing rooms, having a wee look about Probably, and stuff like yeah. that? Must be somewhere. I tell you, somebody that would maybe know that and a guy that I met the other day who stopped me as I was cycling by uh, a guy called Kevin McDermott. So oh yeah, big shout out, hello. absolutely. Say hello to uh, Kevin and his dad Frank, who listen to the show, or or either listen or watch the show on a on a Thursday. And his dad is more of a Partick Thistle fan, but appreciates us for some reason, <laughs> like chatting about Celtic and other stuff. So uh, hello to uh, to Frank and to Kevin. Very interesting guy sent me a, a, a picture of him at his work and him at his work was on the pitch at Celtic Park as were, as, as a trophy presentation because he was part of the the, like the PA set up at, at Celtic Park so I mean I'm sure he's got some stories and, and might and might know about the U2 thing that's why that's why I thought of that there that's a, yeah. that's a great shout by the way um Back in the day when we were doing the, uh, when you and I met in the Tollbooth, when we were doing the acts on from the Tollbooth in Stirling, Kevin came along one day and gave us an acoustic session, which is superb. But mm. it was at a time when we were an audio-only podcast and we didn't have as many people watching it. So if you want to listen to that, it is on YouTube. And I think it would be only right to get Kevin back in to do a session and film it because the guy is an absolute genius um, songwriter. Now... Ridiculizer. I've been ridiculized myself many, many times on this, normally for my, my hair, my clothes. But what's wrong with the body warmer, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with the body warmer? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. A rhetorical, a, a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah. The body warmer. I didn't even know you still called it body warmers. That's a, a bit of an 80s thing, is it not? Um, Jason Ladd hated all of them, but I like the Coolio tune. Right. I'm going to link this into Celtic. I think what you meant was he hates the hip-hop rap, I think. I think. Um, If that's the case, right, do me a wee favour. Everybody's got access to uh, do this kind of stuff. Go onto YouTube, type in Warren G, Do You See? And the introduction to that song is a spoken word piece by Gil Scott Heron. And we all know the Celtic link with with Gil Scott Heron, don't we, JP? So if you don't Mm -hmm. like gangster rap, that might... That might change your mind a wee bit. He was a massive influence to all the gangster rappers in the early 90s. Right, I saw Scott Heron in live at um, the Picture House, excuse oh, me, amazing. in Edinburgh. It was brilliant. It was when he did that, um, is it I'm Still Here was the name of the record? It, it was right. a, he kind of like a, he hadn't done a record for ages and then he did a kind of, uh, a last album or whatever before he before he passed away and it, it's really really good I mean it got loads of like play on six music and everything else you know stuff like that so yeah it's worth worth checking that out aye definitely now I'm, I'm not being rude uh, what I'm going to do here is I'm bringing something up I was sent this from a pal of mine last night or this morning I can't quite remember it all kind of blends into one but it was um, Opa Celtic they're on Twitter yeah um, do you follow them? Possibly on, on Twitter. I've seen, I've seen Opa Celtic. A-U-P-A. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Absolutely right. So, sorry, I'm thinking Opa Celtic. That's that's somebody else. It's Ada Celtic. A-I-D-A Celtic. Check them out. Okay. Um, it looks, JP, it, it might have been announced in the last hour whilst they've been preparing for the show. It looks as though they're doing a tie-in with Primal Scream. Um, 
so they've said that their away kit was going to be launched coming soon. And that happened about five days ago. That was our last tweet. And then we see, where's the camera? We see that coming up, which is obviously right. the Scream Adelica, but in a different colour scheme, coming soon. Primal Scream on the, their Instagram page also posted that and tagged in Ada Celtic, right? So mm-hmm. check it out. It looks as though there's going to be some kind of tie-in between Primal Scream and Ada Celtic who do some fantastic uh, charitable work uh, that would be right up Primal Scream. Is Kev Graham still in one piece at this point? I would have thought he'd have like, self-combusted at the prospect of uh, Primal A football Scream. jersey. Can you imagine uh, that? <laughs> a I mean, football jersey you can buy with Primal Scream's logo on it. It's uh, an absolute uh, perfect way. But obviously, other uh, bands have done that, haven't they? Mogwai done it for St. Rocks, for the, the, yeah. the school. Um, and we have spoken many, many times in the past about uh, who you would love to see on the Celtic jersey. But there you go. There's been no update on their page. Ada Celtic coming soon, Primal Scream. Um, so Ada Celtic, a football team born from protest to provide the kids of the Ada Refuge Camp uh, an outlet for their passion and imminent legacy. There you go. So well, that's I can, amazing. So it would yeah. be raising money for charity if they did it. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure we'll all be sitting here with... I'll, I'll take the body warmer off, Ridiculizer, and I'll sit with my Ada Celtic top. On the uh, Mogwai part, Stuart Braithwaite's book is out today in all good bookstores and probably record shops as well, Spaceships Over Glasgow. Great name for a book. So it's uh, his memoirs, I don't know if it's memoirs, but just being a wee guy starting Mogwai and I'm looking forward to reading it. Oh, absolutely. And we're going to speak to Stuart about that book as well. I messaged him a while back, so that will be on the channel at some point. Now, I want to talk about Matt O'Reilly. We've grown to love Matt, obviously, uh, we said that he hadn't kicked on at the beginning of the season and he's gone on to um, become a, a player who is much in demand. And to be honest with you, until it was mentioned on the show a while ago, I didn't realise that he was uh, eligible to play for Denmark. Um, but he has been starring for the under-21s, JP, and the other night he scored a goal against Croatia. Um, now, apparently during that game, he was watched by Newcastle scouts. This is what we're getting now, right? He's already been questioned about it uh, previously, and he was asked about Newcastle and Leicester, and he answered quite honestly that he hadn't been told about any interest from any other clubs, and he was happy where he was, and he was focusing on Celtic. Uh, Denmark are in Group D, of course, of the 2022 World Cup finals uh, with France, Australia, and Tunisia. And he's pushing for a place in an international squad for the World Cup. I mean, imagine that happened, JP. Stock is going to go through the roof even more so. Um, But I'm sitting here, and obviously I've got my green-tinted specs on. I don't think January, let's say, is going to be the right time for Matt O'Reilly to make any kind of move. Obviously, I want him to say it's Celtic, and I'll I'll say that first and foremost. But in terms of his development, I, I don't think one year... You know the half, the last half of a season, the first half of the next season. I don't think that's the right time for a player like Matt O'Reilly to move. I'd be shocked if that happened in January. Yeah, I would as well. I mean, it, it depends what sort of money's put in front of the, the on the table for him. I don't know what sort of my knowledge and concept of what players are worth now is 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 completely skewed because you've got you've seen. Transfers going out of Scotland that you—you—it's almost like it's taken a, a, a change in gears in the last maybe year or two because 
you know, look at Calvin Bassey going to Ajax. Mm. He, he had like arguably only had like a half a, half a good season, uh, or really a great season. You know, obviously got to Europe, Europa League final, but to go to Ajax for eighteen million was 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 pretty wild. And you know, the Nathan Patterson uh, uh, transfer as well. We've had some pretty decent sales of our own. Christopher Iyer going with a year left in his deal. Mm. Edward going on a year with a year left in his deal for what nineteen million or something like that. So I, I, Matt O'Reilly on a what four or five year deal. What what is Matt O'Reilly worth based on his performances so far? Fifteen, twenty million, twenty five. I mean, I don't know. So if, if if crazy money does get laid on the table, and if you're talking Newcastle, they've got crazy money, haven't they? They've mm, got yeah, they've got money to 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 burn. It would it would it would be sore if he left in January. It'd be sore if anybody of significance left in January, just because it's you don't like losing a player midway, a key player midway through the season. You can usually you can handle losing someone that's on the periphery, you know, a substitute, but a first team player leaving in January. Is as a blow, a big blow, because mm. whether or not we're still in Europe by that point or, or not, we've still got a hell of a lot to play for in the in the league and hopefully the the Scottish Cup as well. No, I, I totally agree with that, and as well as it kind of like disrupting your season, uh, I, I also I'll go back to what I think is being built by Ange, and I know that um, Liam came on. Uh, Liam from Celtic Down Under comes on regularly on, on Taxom and he spoke about the fact that uh, Ange doesn't build teams around players. He doesn't have talisman, talismanic players. He has a system so that if one element of that system is lost, sold, injured, you bring in someone else who can work the system. And it means that long term you don't have the same impact if you lose a star player. But even at that, I still think that we should be in a position now where we're building a team. JP, we're not just putting people in a shop window so that the highest bidder can come along. You know, Juranovic, there was a lot of talk about Juranovic. Uh, O'Reilly, it doesn't seem to be leaving uh, O'Reilly. And whilst he's doing well for Celtic and on an international level, be that under 21 or full international, we're going to get these rumours. We're going to get these scouts turning up to watch him in action. Um, and as you say, it needs to be a pretty big carrot before we're going to allow a player like him uh, to leave the club. Um, I know that there was talk of 25 million around Juranovic and that's your starting point for a, a key player in the Celtic side if you ask me I'm not sure Juranovic is worth 25 million I, I think he's a really good player but I think he's what 27 I don't I don't think we're getting 25 million or anywhere near that for, for him I, I've seen I think he's a good player I don't think he's a great player I think there's there's, there's definitely a few deficiencies in his game, which sometimes you see big crop up. I, I think he, like I said, really, really good player, but not a great player. I don't think he's, I don't think he's on the, he's on the level of like Kieran Tierney, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think he's, he's, he's at that. And I would probably go as far as to say I don't think Matt O'Reilly's in that level either. I think Matt O'Reilly's been really good. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. 
based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. Has he been great? I know over a consistent period of time. Exactly. It's such a small sample size. Yeah. Which is yeah. another reason why you wouldn't want to see them leave in January because it feels like it's unfinished business. Mm-hmm. Usually can sort of tell when a player's uh, sort of expiration date has you've gone past it and we've definitely had that with a lot of players in recent times which affected us in the COVID season where you've got players that were there that probably should have left before that COVID season in the summer of the the, the, the season going into the full season with no fans mm-hmm. players, players that should have left but everything was skewed at that point to the, the transfer market wasn't what it was because Clubs didn't know when they were going to get fans back, so they weren't spending the same level of money. That's right. I'm not making that up. Am I? No, I mean, absolutely. I absolutely. There wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't crazy spending in the summer between the the, the curtailed season and the COVID season. The, the People were being cautious, absolutely, right. JP. And, and the thing is, what, what is quite refreshing, if you follow me on social media, you'll know that my latest project squared away. It's a way, it's at the publishers, it's a way to get printed in my book that has taken me seven years to write. JP, but I'm talking about the COVID season and it brought it to mind when you just used it like that because we're now talking about that in the past. And mm-hmm. I was at um, Kevin, Kevin, I was going to say Kevin Graham. Kevin Graham's not quite big enough to play the hydro yet. It was at Kevin Bridges. <laughs> Kevin Bridges, it was, right? <laughs> and um, he was talking about COVID in the past and a, a lot of the set that, if you didn't enjoy it, get the chance to go and see him. Um, was around COVID and all that kind of stuff. And obviously he put a very comedic kind of uh, twist to it. But it was good to be talking about it in the past. So, you know, when I'm doing research on various games, jerseys, players, whatever, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy digging into something that's happened and it's gone. And then you can you, you can obviously talk about the facts and then give your opinion on it. Um, and one of the things this week that popped up was that um, it was on this day, um that uh, two days ago, I think it was, that uh, the Partizan Belgrade game at Celtic Park when Jackie Jackanowski scores four goals but still ends up on the losing side in terms of the tie because we draw the game six each and we go out on away goals and the amount of memories of people coming in who were at the game, JP, who were trying to figure out if we were through or not um, that night was was unbelievable. Uh, Jackanowski became something of a cult hero uh, (coughs) and that became pretty clear when you started looking at people like Celtic Curio and all these different guys who put out some of the historical content um, but it, it prompted me to have a wee look through the archives as well and, and uh, at Jack and Oski in particular because I remember him at Celtic you know the Playboy, uh, there was that video footage which I've got in one of my old video tapes by the way that I taped off the telly where STV, I think it was Jim White turns up at his house with a birthday cake to wish him a happy birthday. I think he was turning 27 at the time. And instead of answering the door, the STV crew are, I think, about to leave and he comes walking down the street as if, you know, I'm not going to answer the door while you're there. And, he, and he's presented with this birthday cake in the street. Can you remember this? No? I don't remember that, no. I do remember Dachinovsky and, I, and I, I, I was, you know, kind of enamoured by the fact that it, there was a Polish player playing for Celtic because my, grand, my grandfather was Polish. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was pretty cool that Celtic had a Polish uh, striker and any other Polish players that have been at Celtic uh, since I've always sort of extended a, an affection towards 
obviously Boric being the, at the top of the yeah the top, the top of the pile on that one. Um, did you see we've, the we've done we've done pretty well though. We've done pretty well with, with our uh, Polish imports because. Yeah. At the time of Jack and Oski, the, the end of that story was there was a reason he didn't want to answer his door because somebody was in his house that shouldn't have been in there. Um, mm. Darius mm. Dovjek, uh, the mm. left-back, obviously signed at uh, around about the same kind of era as Jack and Oski. They played together for Celtic. Um, and you also had Magic Zarowski as well, Arthur Boric, um, Powell Brozek. Less successful, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably the least, the least successful one. Um, but sorry, you were you were going to say? Did you see something? Was there something about Boric? Somebody was uh, boarding a plane behind them, and they start, they were filming him, and they started singing the the Boric song, and he was he was loving it. He was like laughing. Did, and... Didn't he do one of them? Did he start filming it himself? I'm sure he did. Did, did he? Boric? Boric, aye. Oh, I didn't know I got. I maybe I didn't watch the full clip, but I didn't know he started filming it himself. I think he's either started filming it or he's maybe got a wee picture. Um, right. it, what's going on behind them? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, uh, it was great memories looking back through the old Jackie files, and uh, I, d- I didn't know why would I? I didn't know that when he was in Poland, um, there was a scenario, there was a situation there that prevented um, the exportation for a period of players from Polish football. And um, at that time, Inter Milan wanted to sign Jackanowski. He was branded in the press as the Polish George Best. Um, and I think that that was maybe what hindered his Celtic career. He then goes to Bristol City, teams up with Andy, a young Andy Cole at Bristol City. Uh, the manager who bought him was Jimmy Lumsden. Now, Jimmy Lumsden actually signed for Celtic as a player. He signed for Celtic under Billy McNeil. Mm-hmm. Um, and Billy McNeil wasn't the Celtic manager when we sold Jackie, by the way. It was Liam Brady. And Jack Anoski uh, claims that the reason Brady didn't like him is because he, he kicked him during an international match between Poland and Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. a character Jackie, Jack Anoski certainly was. He loved a cigarette as well, didn't he, Jack Anoski? I'm pretty sure he was a, he liked probably a, a, a 20 a day guy. <laughs> Which is just what a, I know. The footballers would smoke cigarettes and play football. How how could that even be a thing? You know, like and Viale was one of them as well. Yeah. I think Larson maybe. Larson I've heard that I've heard that terrible rumour that uh, the King of Kings also liked a wee smoke. Um Giuseppe Signore was a smoker as well. Remember him yeah. for Lazio, he was a great player. Um but on today uh, in nineteen eighty seven Celtic were lining up to to face Borussia Dortmund away. We had won the first leg 2-1. Uh, we went away from home and they were on 1,500 quid a man to beat us. And beat us they did. It was 2-0. Uh, Murdo McLeod was playing for Borussia Dortmund and Mick McCarthy made his debut for Celtic that night. Off the bench, um, Tony Shepard and Dougie Maguire came off the bench for Celtic. Uh, Billy McNeil was complaining in the press before the game that we didn't have a big enough squad, JP. So we're going over to West Germany uh, to try and uh, overcome Borussia Dortmund and um, we've got Dougie Maguire and Tony Shepard who for all intents and purposes were just young kids at the time and we're, we're throwing them on to try and score a goal try and get an away goal and I think maybe a week after that game we signed Frank McAvenny for 750 grand and obviously the centenary season started kicking on I think about that point uh, but it's always interesting to look back Murdo McLeod did a, an interview in the Daily Record that, that day or leading up to it 
Um, and they were talking about the derisory offer that Celtic had made him the previous season to stay at Celtic. Mm. And he's obviously went over to Germany and become a, a huge success with Borussia Dortmund. Uh, can you remember that game? Centenary season, 87? No, no, no. I mean, I'm I'm seven at that point. My first memory of Celtic is the end of that season. So the Scottish Cup final, uh, when McAvenny scored the two goals uh, against Dundee United. So Socrates, uh, 50 a day, wow. Um, they, yeah, so that, my, I, the start of that. But we did play Borussia Dortmund again in the 90s, didn't we? We did, yeah. yeah. Jerry Craney so scored. I have got the highlights of that taped off the telly because mm-hmm. uh, it was on. Uh, I guess they the, did the, the, the sports scene highlights from from the game later on that night, and I taped them off the telly. Would that have been about ninety two? Yeah, and uh, the away game, strangely enough, was shown live on RTL. All right, okay. If, you, if you're talking about old MTV and somebody else was talking about Beavis and Butthead there, I don't know if you, they were liking you and I to Beavis and Butthead or they liked, they liked the show back in the day. But uh, obviously on like channel 376 or whatever, RTL was there and they showed mm. that game live. They also showed the Cologne game, the away leg live, 2 nothing. Yeah, well, speaking of away legs in Germany, I looked into going to Leipzig, but it's just, it was too, too mental. The prices, the flights are... Are, are are wild and I've I've got quite a lot of work on next week. So it was also even if I could have made it work, it was it was tight for time to get back in the Thursday. And I'm gutted because I've never been to Leipzig, uh, the the ground. Um, I know we've played them before, but I've not been to to. I like, I like to tick a box of a ground. You know, if it was somewhere that we'd been already. You know, if it was a. I don't know uh, if it was a Cologne or something like that. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't. Oh no, where have I been? I've been to München Gladbach and mm-hmm. Munich uh, away with Celtic in Germany, and they're brilliant trips. Ger- the Germany trips are are something else. So it will be a really good trip next week, and hopefully we can get a result of some kind. I don't know. I don't know what shape they're in now. Leipzig under the new manager. I know that they got they not they got beat quite heavily. A couple of weekends ago, did they not get beat? What we're oh. going to do, JP? You Dortmund. know David David Slight, David mm-hmm. Slight, who's a, a oh, yeah. he's, he's a regular contributor in, over the piece. He's been mm-hmm. on the on the show um, regularly, rather uh, on the show. He is part of the WhatsApp group, but he is going to come on and, and give us a lowdown because he's he's a keen German football fan and mm-hmm. he goes over there on a regular basis. So he's going to give us a lowdown on. Uh, our opponents over the next uh, week or so. I just want to bring this up, right, because I'm not being funny, uh, Crash Awesome, but we could go on about our high school days even more. And you know what I might do, JP? I might release the video, uh, my free kick that I scored when I was at high school. I might put it on social media just for you, Crash Awesome, so that you can uh, enjoy the, the free kick. Must have been, what, 35 yards, JP, with the Adidas Predators, man. You've gone quiet. I've heard, Sorry. I've heard, I've heard it was a belter, yeah. I mean, I, I know somebody <laughs> that saw it firsthand, so it's not just a case of, you know... Uh, Nostalgia, man. I mean, we're bored of your high school... I mean, we don't watch Kevin, Kevin Porter don't likes what... Kevin honest, Porter enjoys it, man. If you don't like this, just... I mean, I'm sure the news is on, and I'm sure there's loads of intriguing things to watch in the news at the moment, because we're living in such a great time. 
and then two folk talking about for like what two minutes of a Celtic podcast talking about what were we even talking about? Oh, uh, the, uh, reunion, the two each game. And by the way, that game, I'm pretty sure John McGinn scored for Hibs in, in that game, uh, maybe even both goals if I remember rightly. It was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was. I remember, right. Here we go. Here's your glory days for you, right? I remember uh, being at Celtic Park and we, we played St Mirren, right? Uh, Tommy Craig was the manager of St Mirren. Remember, he took over from Danny Lennon. I, d- I mm-hmm. don't think he lasted that long. But he was a manager. Obviously, he's linked to the centenary season that we've touched on a couple of times today already. Uh, and I had the uh, opportunity, actually, to speak to Tommy Craig before the game. And he told me that, that I had to keep my eye on a young player who was playing that. It wasn't his debut because Danny Lennon gave John McGinn his debut, but I still think he was 17 at the time. He says, you've just got to watch John McGinn. And so I did. You know, I, I, I paid particular attention to him, and he was superb. I mean, he ran the midfield that day. He was up against um, Stefan Johansson, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think, you know, ironically, Johansson scored the winner that day, I, I believe. I need to check it. But that was my first um, showing, my first time I'd ever seen John McGinn. And at that stage... I thought to myself, why doesn't Celtic, why don't Celtic buy a player like that? Why did he have to go to Hibs? You know, uh, but obviously the thing is, we have tried in the past and it's not worked out. We've tried to buy players from other Scottish clubs on a number of occasions, JP. So it's not a um, an exact science, but I do remember seeing him that day and he was brilliant. Uh, so Crash Awesome, thank you very much for your... And he got his 50th cap for Scotland the other day, which is that's, that's astonishing. wild. 50 caps... I don't know what age he is, but it just, it, can he be, what is he, 25? There's a few of them actually of that ilk around about that age group who are going, are going to end up with a huge amount of caps. I was looking at it actually. So you've got, I think um, there were two players, was it Fraser and Dykes, who both got their 25th cap the other night. Mm-hmm. And then there's a group of players, like you say there, like McGinn, you've got players like, uh, I think Callum McGregor's one cap or two caps away from getting his 50th cap. You've got Kieran Tierney who's got in his 30. So there's a group of players going for their 50th. Then you've got a group who are probably touching 75 caps, JP. So I think that over the piece, Stevie Clark has, you know, gradually built up um, a real core of players that uh, he's going to stick with. And there'll be a few that come and go depending on form, etc. I'd said earlier on about international football, I've obviously got an interest in it. It just doesn't hurt me when the team doesn't win like it hurts me when Celtic don't win. There's a few things that... He's 27, by the way. I just looked it up. John McGinn. Is he? So that that was 10 years ago that I spoke to Tommy Craig. Wow. Mm. Um, There we go. Look at this. Axom, simply the best. Bar none. Hail, hail. Um, if you think questionable, that, questionable choice of uh, of words in there. <laughs> that that's why Brian McClear requested that Man United change the tune over the tannoy to "This Is the One" by the Stone Roses, because previous to that, it was simply the best by Tina Turner. Yeah. Um, if you do think that, if anybody else thinks that, if anybody appreciates what we do, there's a wee link underneath the video if you want to vote for us in the Football Content Awards. And while you're in there, why not vote for Natasha Mikkel as well? She's up for an award for Best in Women's Football. So that would be much appreciated. Uh, hopefully JP can join me when we go down to Manchester. Um, you know, a wee walk down memory lane for yourself, JP. Um, and that is going to be coming up on the 16th of November. We do have a gig coming up in January where I'm pretty sure I'll uh, see a few of the the faces for real uh, that, that pop up in the comments section. Maybe not crash awesome, though, eh? 
well, Crash, come along, Crash, come along, and we can talk about the glory days. Um, it is sold out. I'll be announcing the guest very, very soon. I spoke to him the other night on uh, on his phone, so I will be announcing the guest very soon. And um, we'll be doing them on a monthly basis. So if you missed out on a ticket this time round, you can still click on the link underneath the video, leave your details, and we will let you know when February's gig is released as well. Anything else to talk about, JP? I think that's about it. Voting, tickets... Yeah, and uh, the charity single will be played very, very soon. We're working on the final mix to the charity single for the Axon Weekender. That's coming up as well. Uh, JP might have heard a wee snippet of that. So thank you, everybody, uh, every single one of you for commenting in the comments section. We really appreciate your input. And thank you once again to JP Mason for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.